This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a phenomenal episode. We have out of Toronto, the big smoke. We've got Cody Ye. He's joining us. He's a real estate investor. He is also a stock investor, big on options. And uh, that has given him some life options. That's, that has given him some life options. That's for sure. Yes. Uh, Cody Yeh, second Yeh we've had on the program. Man. It was his alumni of his stock options course, Austin right. Yeh, who was on our show before, who has amassed a considerable collection of real estate all over Ontario. That was a great episode from maybe a year, year and a half ago, I think. Sure, um, sure. But Cody Yeh was the teacher. Yeah, And now we've got the second yay on the show yeah. to hear about the relationship between real estate investing right. and stock options. And really to break it down here, you know, and Cody talks about this, but the marriage here is real estate for growing your net worth over a long time, stock options for getting your money to work for you and generating that, that cash, cash flow. flow. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's it. And like some of the negative feedback on our show over the years, I would say, would have to do with the fact that a lot of the properties we're featuring in the Vancouver area and anyone in the industry or anyone that invests in Vancouver, this will come as no surprise. There's not a lot of cash flow, right? Exactly. So, you know, the, the haters, I guess we can call them, uh, often criticize us, well... 
you know, these guys are, it's a house of cards. There's no cash flow, da, 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 whatever. As long as you hate is going to hate. Yeah, that, that's it, Matt. And, and you did not sound a day over 40 <laughs> saying that. So here's the thing about what I love is these guys are investing in expensive markets, like the market that we operate in, like the market that we invest in. And, and what they're doing is they're, in a lot of ways, just trying to get their whole, like a holistic approach to their portfolio to make sure that they're they're offsetting for you know real estate that is more of a cap gain product than anything else. That that's exactly it. So this is a very interesting conversation, and uh, Cody was a great guest. Couple of interesting things. One, just thinking back to this interview, he uh, had a brief stopover in Vancouver from Taiwan yes. uh, to Vancouver. The way he describes Vancouver is pretty pretty funny. He went stick to, around for that. He, he, well, don't, don't yeah, I won't. give it away. And then secondly, the band choice. This oh. is one for the ages. I'm not sure Cody spends a lot of time listening to music. He's too busy with the stock options, but it was a great conversation. Great guest. And he's got, and I think he mentions it, his website. He's on YouTube. He's got these courses that yeah. have been very successful. So lots to it, explore. There's lots to explore here. But before we get to, to that, Adam, I got bags under my eyes. Yeah. I'm I'm tired. I you know we we this morning we were up early. I actually had to get uh, some childcare coverage here to come a little bit earlier because we had to do uh, what we, we got to no, do. We, 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 we were honored. We were honored to do. And and this is the thing. We we were going to do it last week and it just it didn't quite work out. But this week we were on Dustin Woodhouse's past guest, fan favorite. Lots of you will. I feel like everybody remembers Dustin. Yeah, you'll remember Dustin Woodhouse and a very opinionated, outspoken, was a formerly a mortgage broker. I still think he is a mortgage broker, but he's also the president now of, of Mortgage Architects. That's right. A so, national company. Anyways, I we're huge Woodhouse fans around here. And uh, we got to be on his podcast this morning, bright and early. And a lot of uh, some interesting uh, conversations around the relate, well, not only the market a little bit, but the relationship between the mortgage broker and the realtor. And it almost got to a point. It almost got a little heated. You know, you almost got kicked off the show, I think. You know what was, it's funny. You know, the question was an innocent enough question. I think he posed it to us. You know, we're all on the same team. Why is there sometimes friction between realtors? And mortgage brokers, and I think both of us gave innocent, uh, to us at least, or to me, innocent sounding answers yeah. that I think he and some of his uh, listeners took offense to. Well, if you if if you didn't think there was friction before your <laughs> it's, comments, it's pretty clear. It was pretty clear. It was like it was like two grip tape skateboards <laughs> rubbing together. It was uh, it was it was there was a lot of friction in the room. But yeah. here's the thing. One thing that was clear after my, uh, you know, after thinking about it and reflecting on how we should have answered that question <laughs> was that. It's so important if you have your agent and you're out looking for a property, if your agent doesn't refer you to the mortgage specialist that you're working with or the broker at the bank, then you need to make sure that your agent is connected to your mortgage broker, I think, early on in the process. Right. Huge advantage. And we started doing that years ago because it took one bad experience where the broker and the, the mortgage broker and the agent weren't on, on the same page. And then so we started kind of preemptively saying, hey, make an introduction and at least we can kind of get on the same page, put a face to a name. So pro tip definitely for the listeners. I want to also talk a little bit about the market before we get to this conversation with Cody. Absolutely. So what do you got for us? Well, here's the thing. Like right now, we've been talking about how the market right now, it feels like everybody is being social, 
you know, things have opened up. Ferry terminals are booked solid, like weeks in advance. It's crazy. This is, uh, yeah, we're walking onto the ferry soon. Yeah, yeah. We're Honestly, like that's almost what you have to do. You have to be like a walk-on and then figure out how you're going to get to your destination on the other end. But it's, it's clear that people are doing a lot of provincial travel. A lot of people are away just in general. And it's being reflected specifically in the inventory right now. But this makes me a little bit nervous because July, the numbers... The inventory overall was just below 15,000 listings or so. Don't quote me on it, around 14,500, which is now the second lowest amount of inventory that we've had in the past 35 years in a July in this month. So I'm looking at that and I'm going, well, wait a second. What does this mean for Q3 and Q4? We've got this really low inventory. So it'll be super interesting to, to see what happens here because either inventory comes in September. Rocketing up after Labor Day. Which, yeah. You know, there's always a big push. There, but, there will be new inventory coming, but will it be enough but the to starting, offset? The starting, point where the starting point is a lot lower. Exactly. And then on top of that, we are definitely going to have a lot of buyers coming back into the market. At least that's what we're kind of seeing just from the numbers that we kind of monitor internally, it seems like a lot of buyers will be coming back in the fall. So I don't know, you know, this, this idea that we're going to see a balancing or, or we'll actually see a, even potentially a buyer's market. It's, it's looking less and less like there's, there's a lot less potential when you start thinking about these numbers here, I think. Yeah. I think this low inventory is the real, the real X factor that a lot of people didn't expect uh, this summer. That's for sure. So buyers uh, went away. So did sellers. Well, it's bizarre because right now, I mean, there's just, there's not a lot to look at. And the inventory that's out there, there's not a lot of great inventory on right now, right? I think a lot of the end user homes are going to be waiting until the fall, right? Absolutely. Which seems natural. So um, maybe, Matt, what else do we got before we cut to the interview? One more thing before uh, our talk with Cody Ye. We are sponsored this week by Oakland Realty. This is our brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, you've been in the business a while and you're just tired of where you're at, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. This is oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Meet up with Michael Morgan and the gang. That is great. But with VRP 2020 on the website, you actually get a huge incentive as well. Right. Uh, You will not be disappointed. That is for sure. I think it's some Bitcoin or some some Ethereum. I've, I've heard I, I've, rumors. We have no idea what it is, but it's uh, it's it's exciting. And last but not least, Matt, we've been trying to have the CEO of Fabric, Jordan McDonald, friend of the show, on the show for a while, and uh, I think we're going to get him eventually here. But he was on the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Not the most recent episode, but the but about a week yeah. and a half ago. That's right. And uh, I just actually I just caught the interview because I wasn't there that day. You were you were sitting in. Man, it does not disappoint. Head over to Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast and and have a listen to that episode. That, that episode is on our site, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, or you can go wherever you're listening to the podcast. Sure. You know what Jordan was in the studio. I that was fantastic. And his music choice. I had that on in the car quietly with the windows up like it was like a scene from office space but uh it was uh, it's it's gets a really it's a really good recommendation gets you pumped anyways without further ado here's our interview with Cody Yates enjoy okay so we're here with Cody Yates 
financial coach. He's also has some courses on his website, codya.com. He teaches stock option investing and real estate investing. Welcome to the show, Cody. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Adam and Matt. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking the time, Cody, today. For those listeners who don't know, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name is Cody Ye. I grew up in Taiwan, moved to Vancouver. That's where you guys are. At the age of 18, I was there for about two years before I went to university and I chose the University of Toronto. So I moved to Toronto. I wanted to live in a bigger city, more competition, more opportunity. So I moved here, study engineer, got my hands on stocks and second year of university. And then fast forward after graduation, I work as a project manager, one of the automotive company called Honda. Honda car. Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, not surprised. We make, uh, yeah, they still make all the Civics and CRV on the street in right. Canada. And then, <laughs> so, and then, and then I bought my first investment property in 2016. One more in 2017, two more in 2019. And this year, the goal is to buy two apartment buildings around Toronto within one and a half hour drive. As you guys know, the prices are going nuts. So, you know, we're trying to be more creative, raising money. Uh, and uh, a lot of my alumni uh, who I t- taught the stock option to are real estate investors as well. So a lot of them are interested uh, to, to partner up as well. So, uh, and yeah, I do teach a stock option course. Most of my alumni are real estate investors, just like you guys, a lot of your clients. And it goes really well hand in hand with real estate investing. So, yeah, maybe that's a, a great place to start. It's interesting because most of the people you're engaged with as a coach are primarily interested in, in real estate investing by the sounds of things, but you teach a stock options course. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the interrelationship between those two and, and how they work together? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So most real estate investors invest in real estate because they heard the stocks or options or just gambling and all that. And a lot of people who invest in stocks and options or just invest in mutual funds thinks that you know real estate is too much, too much hassle, too much management, this and that. And that because I do both, I can talk about both. I only talk about what I do. So in the nutshell, real estate, you can build up a team. It builds my network. But in Toronto, I'm, I'm sure it's in Vancouver as well. It's harder and harder to find the cash flow. So a lot of my clients or alumni that invest in real estate are cash flow pro- poor, <laughs> paper rich. So they feel kind of, they want more cash flow to alleviate a lot of like fire some of their side hustles or just live a better life overall. So they like the stock option strategy and they take part of their net worth and put in the stock option strategy to generate that cash flow they need on a daily basis. So if I understand correctly, when we're talking about the stock market, and actually it's it's interesting that you say, you know, people that are real estate heavy, real estate focused, because we've had people on this show before that, you know, if they don't say outright you know, oh, the stock market's gambling. I think that's the kind of assumed starting point, right? That, hey, I like things that I can see, that I can feel, that I can go open a door. I don't understand the stock market. It's like, it's kind of like a casino, which I think is, yeah, miss is not, not accurate, obviously. But 
can we kind of delve a little bit more into that, into the way that you see you and your, your, the people you're coaching are using the stock market? So if I understand correctly, you're looking at primarily dividend paying stocks, large blue chip, large, large blue chip companies in yeah. order to generate Correct. cash flow. Correct. And, you know, because I teach a lot of real estate investors, so I come up with analogies of this strategy. So, you know, uh, we talked on this offline, do some flipping, do some wholesaling. So people in real estate, when they invest in real estate, everyone wants to get off market deals, right? I guess all your clients is like, hey, Matt, hey, Adam, where can we find off market deals, right? Do you guys get that a lot? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's getting harder and harder in BC for a lot of reasons, but yeah, yeah, we do get that for sure. Yeah, people just want to buy market value property that's under market value, right? Which is hard to find because, hey, if everyone's looking, it's hard to find, right? Getting more competitive when the market is hot, you know. Now, if you compare it to the stock market, actually every second, we just take Apple, for example. That's what I use for my courses and all that. I always use Apple because that's number one holding for Warren Buffett. And he's considered one of the best investors of all time. So I always use Apple. So let's say, say Apple today is $145, right? And you want to buy Apple off market, right? You want to buy market value right now is $145, but you want to buy it cheaper. You can say, hey, you know what? I sell an insurance contract. What we call that is we sell the put option. And that put option make us obligated to buy Apple. At one, let's say we say, hey, $135, right? I'm only happy buying Apple at $135. Right now, it's 145 So I get a $10 off. That's about a 10% off. Let's put it that way for easy mm-hmm. math, right? So we agreed to buy Apple 10% off, and we can set the expiration date, just like an insurance contract. You say you want it for one year, you want it for two months, whatever. We set it for, let's say, one month. So within a month, or at that expiration date, one month mark, if Apple is above 135 I get to keep all the premiums ask the insurance company and I don't need to buy Apple, the 100 shares of the Apple. Now, the worst case is that if Apple goes below 135 at the one-year mark, guess what? I buy Apple at $135. So I buy it already 10% off and I still keep the premium they pay me for taking that risk and that further reduce my cost of ownership for buying Apple stock. So my true cost of ownership might be 132 133, 131, it depends. So can we just break that down a little bit more? Because I know you've mentioned it a couple of times, but for for listeners who are used to potentially buying stock on, you know, they have a a well simple account, a TD account, whatever they're using to trade and it's self-directed. So can you kind of break down this strategy in kind of really simple terms for people? Do you want me to actually use an off-market deal analogy as a real number? Like sure. People like to buy off-market deals, right? Sure. So imagine you own your current house, okay? And your, your neighbor across the street, just say the market value for that house is half a million. I know in Vancouver is a lot higher. Let's just say half a million. And you know, your neighbor, John, is a you know, grandpa, 90-year-old, always hearing the news that the stock, you know, sorry, not stock, the real estate market could crash because you know, CMHC was yelling that for the longest time. So he's afraid. And you go up to John and say, hey, John, you know what? You're afraid that the market will go down 20% because CMHC says that. And he said, yes. 
And I'm so afraid of half a million, 20%, that is $100,000 disappear. Now, you tell John, hey, you know what? If the market goes down by 20%, I will buy your house at 400K one year from now. We have three appraisers come in, look at it. The market value, if it's lower than 400, I'll buy a 400. If it's 300, I still buy a 400. Because deep down, you know what to do with that property, right? You already know how to turn, you know, put in some renovation or, you know, be, be creative and turn into positive cash flow. And, you know, in the long term, you already done your research, right? So John is like, so that sounds too good to be true. So, you know, what's the catch, right? You're like, okay, since I'm insuring your house in case it goes down, I want $10,000. John is like, what? But you know what? Hey, John, you pay me 10000 you hedge your entire $100,000. So even if you're really afraid it will go down by 100000 from half a million to four hundred k, guess what? If it really <laughs> does that, you only pay me 10000 you're off the hook. Right? So that's kind of like the idea, right? If the house price, if John's house next year, within a year, the house price is above four hundred, dollars it's four fifty, five hundred, you know, five fifty, whatever, you keep the ten thousand dollar and you just move on. They can go back to John and say, Hey, are you still afraid that the house price will go down? Do you want want to buy another insurance? I am the insurance company. So yeah. okay, that that makes a lot of sense in terms of kind of off market deal acting as basically a personal insurance company for your neighbor. So if you're looking at the stock, so let's Instead of your neighbor's house, let's move back to Apple stock. Yeah. Can you explain that again? Yeah. So same thing, right? Remember, we used the example as currently Apple is 145, right? We don't know who's on the other side. We're the insurance company. We don't know who's on the other side, but every second, there's hundreds, if not thousands of contracts getting transacted off market like this. So we can go and say, you know what? I like Apple at 135 or I like Apple at 136. Then we can go in, we sell that option contract to someone on the other side. They will take up the contract, right? Either they're hedging, right? They think the market will go down or just institutional. They think, you know, they want to protect their principles for any reasons on the other side where people are just gambling, just like, hey, I think Apple will go down, right? Because there's a strong resistance, whatever. For any reason, we just sell to those people and we get paid a premium because we sell them insurance, they pay us a premium. We keep those premiums, right? And if Apple is above 135 within a month, guess what? We keep that premium, we wash our hands, we can sell another contract. But if it goes below 135, we can buy Apple on 135. And because of the premium we get paid, right, it further reduces our cost of ownership, right? So it could be you know, 133, 132, 131, right? So that's the overall. How do you buy off-market deals on the market? And then this happens every second on the market. So can we talk about how you become the insurance company? Anyone can become an insurance company. You just need certain permission, right? And then, you know, as long as you have the money to own 100 shares of the stock you sell insurance on, for example, if Apple is 145 USD right now, as long as you have the money to buy 100 shares of Apple at 145 USD, and there you go. You can just sell that option contract. And just for people that are not familiar with options, if you're operating, again, with just a regular self-directed account, how do you gain access to becoming the insurer? Like what, can you talk about kind of the concrete steps? 
Yeah. So, so concrete step is like you mentioned, Wealth Simple, Questray. I personally use Interactive Brokers. Again, just because Interactive Brokers is more for professional traders, mm-hmm. but the I only use on my mobile, so I only trade less than thirty minutes per day. That's how I get the highest return on my time. That's how I teach all my alumni as well. We're not day traders. We don't sit in front of computers eight hours. Okay, that's the beauty of it. You know, once you have an account and you just get the the right permission, right? I have a whole PDF guide. How do you get those right permission? And you basically just start. You just click the right button, sell, swipe right, submit the order, done. And you can do this on on other platforms as well. You can do it on not Wealthsimple yet because Wealthsimple hasn't gotten into option trading. I think they sue well, they claim. Plus trade, you can. Any of the banks, you can. The only reason why I'm using Interactive Broker is because, like I said, more for a professional trader. But at the same time, it's quite easy to use on the mobile phone. I found it easier than any of the, the big banks because I was just helping my, my girlfriend make some trades this morning on RBC and TD. Interactive broker is a lot easier, a lot more information, and the commission is 10 times cheaper. So each contract that we get on Interactive Broker, we get charged about, I'd say, $0.50 cent to $3. Right? The same contract on any of the banks, it's a flat-out $15. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking, I have a few questions about this. One is using this $145, $135 Apple stock mm-hmm. example, what kind of premiums for a month when you're when you're putting in this, what kind of premiums can people expect? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So usually I tell my alumni is about 1% to 4%, right? If the insurance contract is closer to the money, as in closer to the current Apple stock price, then you will get paid more premium. You might ask why. The reason is because there's a higher chance that you might need to buy 100 shares of Apple, right? Mm-hmm. Say so when you insure someone with a risky driving record, then he pays more premium, right? So in this case, if you're closer to the money, right, closer to 145, you can pay more premium. And that premium can range from 1% to 4%, depending on the market. So, you know, even just 1% per month, that's 12% per year. And then, you know, if you have 100K, that's $12,000 per year. That's $1,000 per month of you just punching on your phone and you just <laughs> you just go and uh, relax for the rest of the day, right? You don't have to be sweat. You know, you worst case, you own Apple stocks, right? That's what Warren Buffett put all his money in. Right, right. So when we're saying worst case scenario here, Cody, can we talk about the risks? I, I think you've kind of spelled them out already, but just to be clear in terms of the potential downsides to this strategy. Yeah. So this strategy is bulletproof. A few really want to own the stock long term. For all my alumni, for everyone who follow me on YouTube, Facebook group or whatever, I don't like to play very risky stock. I'm not trying to gamble. That's why in the stock market get a really bad reputation because when people talk about it in the news, people go chase the high. But I, I only focus on blue chips, company that consistently making money for the last five years, continuing to innovate their products, right? And I only focus on those companies. So I know that in the short term, there could be choppiness up and down because of the fear in the market, because of the greed in the market. 
But fundamentally, when the company is doing better year after year, eventually the stock price will catch up to the fundamental. So that is why I only focus on those stocks. Now, a lot of people might think that, hey, so Cody, now I can go do this on any of the stock. No, if you don't want to own those stocks, it could be scary because, you know, it's just like buying a stock. A stock could go to zero, right? A stock, a company could go bankrupt, right? Right. But, and Cody, that, that actually, I was just going to say, what, were you doing this when, when COVID hit in yeah. kind of March, April, May? So yeah, we just get assigned the stocks. And, you know, like, uh, at that time, Apple was down 30%. Microsoft was down 20, 30%, right? My whole real estate portfolio, that was the time when we're not sure if tenants were paying, right? So I always leave you know, a little bit of cash on the side, like six months for each of the property. Mm-hmm. And thank God everything went well. I don't have to do anything. And that's when you know, all my key loss, the line of credit, I start taking it gradually and put it in the market because I know this is historically one of the best times to right. get it, right? So Apple went down 30%. Now they're up like more than 120%, right? Right. But the pandemic went down to 60. Now it's at 145. So in that situation, I'm just thinking, I guess this is the potential risk there in that specific situation is, let's say it was at $110 in February yeah. of 2020, and then you're insuring it at 100, and it goes yeah. down to 60, right? Was there a situation in which you were caught kind of, at least for the short term, holding the bag yeah. with the options? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, short term, you know, I hold stocks here, hold stocks there. But the idea is that in the short term, as a popularity contest. The market is either greedy or is fearful. But the stock price will eventually come back to the fundamental. If the company is growing by 20, 30% per year, in the long term, if you draw the line, that's how much the stock is going up for. So in the short term, this those could produce a very good buying opportunity. But where people get afraid is that they always want to make money and they always you know, want to chase the return. And that's when the mentality is a bit wrong, right? If it's a good stock, it's just like real estate, right? In 2017, right? When there was a new buyer, 15% tax come in, Vancouver went down, right? Right. And using that analogy is that, you know, even when the real estate price goes down, if your cash flow is positive on that property, you know, when there's more immigrants, there's very good diversified job market, there's more net migration, all the yada, yada, yada. If it's still growing, you know, eventually it will come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But well, a lot of people just panic, right? As, uh, <laughs> but as a real estate investor, the only reason why we have confidence is because we educate ourselves, right? Same thing in the stocks. We understand the company. We know the management. We know how much money they're making. We look at how much revenue and net income they're increasing. How's their product? Most of the time, you know, I use an Apple phone. I'm using, you know, Apple uh, MacBook and all that. So I understand most of the company I investing and I use the product just like real estate, right? You can look at the house, you feel it, right? You know, if there's more people come in, you know, if the corner has a new cake or, you know, Walmart, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually very similar. Just that, imagine why people lose money in stock markets because imagine if you have an appraiser and you ask your appraiser to go to your house and appraise your house every single day. Right. Right. What would that result? And be? and, and you could click and sell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be plus or minus ten to fifty k, right? Depending on the appraiser, depending on the day, depending on the month of the year, right? So 
if people do that and you can swipe right and sell it, holy cow, can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Cody, I'd love to get back to kind of how you talk to people, not necessarily new to either stocks or real estate, but but how people that you begin coaching, how to marry these two strategies? Like how does the the stock option strategy relate to real estate investing? Yes, really good question. So I have alumni all the way from age 24 to age 65. So each of them has a different investing horizon, has a different goal. Some of them hasn't owned any investment property yet. Some of them hasn't even owned their first property yet. But on the other side, someone in their 50, 60 might have 10 properties. They're like, Cody, we're done with 10. I have no more patient. Even if it's property manager, I don't want to deal with them anymore. I just want to sell some of it. you know. And then I want to put that money somewhere. And I want to generate good cash flow. I don't want to lose any of my principles. Right? So there are two different spectrums, whereas I'm in the middle. So for the younger group of people, right, they probably work a full-time job. You're probably saving their money, but when their money is only in, let's say, GICs or low return, or even in private lending, some of the my, my alumni has it in private lending. But here's an interesting thing about private lending is that private lending profits, right, is between 5% to sometimes as high as 20%. It's 100% taxable. And for the profits or the cash flow from the stock option investing. Again, talk to your accountant, but it could be capital gain, right, which only 50% of profit is taxable. Or if you put in the core, it could be an active income, right? So there are many ways to shelter those. All in all, the different age group, for younger age group, it will help them expedite their saving process for that first down payment, right? And then for someone in their 30, 40, 50, they have a full-time job, they have an entrepreneur, whatever. This is another significant stream of income with a very low on stress, high on return on time to generate another cash flow to, let's say, far, you know, help their wife not work again, right? They take some money, use this to generate cash flow. Now they basically uh, retire their wife, right? Because they have kids or because they want to move to an island or they want to take a sabbatical or just another stream of income now they feel a lot more comfortable, right? Where at the other end, the, you know, the 50s, 60s, or even the 70-year-old, right, just want less headache. Yes, they understand, you know, uh, real estate is pretty nice, but it's still a lot of headaches. True, right? And, uh, you know, so they want to liquidate and then they want to diversify their portfolio. Not everything is in real estate, right? Most of the real estate investors I know, all their monies are in real estate, right? And we've been really lucky for the last 20 years. Everything has been going up, but, you know, it's good to be diversified a little bit as well. Can we talk, Cody, a little bit about your real estate investing strategy? Like what kind of investor are you? So when I bought my first property, I was in Toronto. At that time, I was I started to work full-time. I saved up a little bit of money, bought a bungalow in Toronto. I remember it was $526,000. I didn't have enough down payment for the whole house. So I'm, my mom wants to buy. I say, hey, can I chip in 37000 She's like, fine. Yeah, so that was my first property. And then 2017, come along, the more money I save up, I work like 400 to 800 hours of overtime every year since 2013 to 2019. And I buy my second one. That was, again, a single family. I bought it as in, if I stay there, 
I stay at Honda for more than five years. I raise a family. That's the house I can raise it in. But then again, those kept going up, great, right? All of those are around, you know, double in value within, you know, five years. But really, now what we're doing is more of we add value to it, right? So we do the birth strategy, right? We try to find either off-market deals, you know, we do our own marketing, we find off-market deals, we just find deals that have been neglected or deals that have been on the market for a very long time and we go in, we throw an offer. Right, or we know our capacity as project managing and getting approval from the city. So we, we use more creative strategy, whether it's putting an extra unit or you know putting a you know a garden suite in the back or secondary suite in the basement to basically flip it to a to a cash flow positive property. So if there is ever a market downturn, we are not pinched to sell the property. Right, we can hold on to that for the long term. We know it's a short term dip. Right, so we're always doing that, and that's how we can scale up. Because from the bank standpoint, they want you to have a cash flow property, right? And Cody, by the sounds of things, you've been operating in almost exclusively hot markets, right? Like tw- there was a little bit of a slowdown, at least potentially a little bit more so here than in Toronto in 2018, early 2019. Mm-hmm. But you've been operating in hot markets. Just thinking about cash flow opportunities you're actually still buying in the city of toronto or are you where, where are you operating primarily? <laughs> so so yes we have properties in toronto but where you can in toronto right now if you want a positive cash flow you have to convert something into like a triplex or fourplex and certain pocket only mm-hmm. even a lot of the big apartment buildings the the reits are buying they're all cash flow negative if you buy it now at this price the cap rate is going nuts, you know, the, the cap rates in Toronto, like 2.5 sometimes we see. So like I like to go around within one and a half hour drive, like in Barrie, which is in the north, on the east side, you know, up to like Belleville, west side, Hamilton, St. Catherine, Cambridge, Kitchener, right? So those are the area where people say it's very competitive, but we can still find deals. And we might not be able to do like a full burr and pull all your money out, but if we only leave, you know, Ten to 50000 in there, we're still okay with that, right? So I know it's a harder market, but, you know, we have gone through that more flat market as well. But as long as, you, you know, your strategy, you know how it works, you know your numbers well, there's always ways to make deals happen, right? Can, can we talk about kind of knowing your numbers and markets? So, you know, one thing that struck me about your stock options strategy is a half hour a day tops. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're an efficiency guy, right? And clearly you're, you're making a lot of moves <laughs> right now. So you have to be efficient. Can you talk a little bit about how you find the deal, I guess, but also how you're monitoring, you know, the different rents and the different prices and what looks like a deal in markets. And I don't know Toronto all that well or the surrounding area, but mm-hmm. from Barrie to mm-hmm. Hamilton to Bellevue, you know, mm-hmm. h- how you're understanding those markets and finding deals in such varied markets. Yeah. You're talking about real estate or stock now? Real estate. Real estate. Okay. So again, Adam and Matt, I think both of you guys are real estate agents. I'm a real estate agent as well. I don't really broadcast it. You know, I think you guys are doing a great job. I, I help out mostly investors and just first-time home buyers, friends and family. The reason I don't broadcast it is because I don't find that the best use of my time. I only help all the VIPs. But that being said, because I'm on the floor, on the ground, 
So we see a lot of deals, right? So even when the market is moving up or down, we see that opportunity as well. And when I say we know the number, we got to know, you know, not just the average price, but based on our strategy. Let's say if we're going to convert a single family to duplex or we convert a duplex to a garden suite. We got to know what's the price range we're going to buy at, how much money we put in for the renovation and what's the ARV, right? After repair value. Right? It could be higher, great, but we look at the most conservative. How much money can we pull out, right? So if you have that kind of confidence, when you throw in an offer, it's just a yes or no. Worst case, I walk away and I know this is the highest price I can go. Right, The higher I go, I can leave more money in there. We'll still work in the long term, but I'm just leaving more money in there. Right, We have a spreadsheet you know, and all that. And in terms of like different markets, my main focus is in Barry, but because we have a lot of investor friends and different um, in Hamilton and the east side as well, guess what? Their numbers are very, very similar. In terms of if you draw, a, <laughs> if, you, if you use like a ruler, draw center of Toronto and then within one hour drive each way, you'll find the price is actually very, very similar within 10% difference. And you know, usually on the west side is a little bit higher and then the east side and the north side lagging a little bit just because north side may be colder, east side there's less activity, right? The west side is where the Niagara Fall is, right? So, you know, if you know that then, and then each of the city has different history, so they have a different structure, so different strategies tend to work. Mm-hmm. Better in different cities, right? Something like Hamilton has a more like a steel town, you know, like those two and a half stories houses, right? And Barrier just a blue collar. East Side just, you know, used to be a GM city. And, you know, just they all have kind of different trades and uh, different strategies that could be deployed. So, Cody, maybe pulling back and kind of trying to get a bird's eye view of your overall financial goals and objectives. So when, when we look here, you're, you're basically employing the Burr method kind of throughout the kind of GTA area or within an hour of Toronto. And these mm-hmm. properties, presumably you're kind of a, a longer term hold. You're not putting them back on the market. You're kind of, you're getting to them to the point that they carry themselves for cash flow, And then you're a long-term hold scenario. Is that correct? You know, what we, do any of these deals. That's why we focus on being positive cash flow because that is the only way we protect ourselves from market downturn. Okay. Okay. Because when, yeah, so that's the reason why. So that's why I go out further. I could be a lower price point, but the main reason is because it has to be a growing market, it has to be cash flow positive. So I can scale, I can protect myself. But when the market is going up, I can do anything. I can have multiple exit strategies. I can flip it, right? I can you know, hold on to it or sell it to another investor as a turnkey property. There's so many options, right? But right. we're looking at the worst case. If the market stays flat, we'll go down. We're able to hold it. We're not getting pinched from each of the properties. So, so just so I, because at the beginning, we talked about using real estate more as an opportunity to grow your net worth and using stock options more for passive cash flow. So it sounds like you're sure. actually getting cash flow from your real estate assets in, in addition to your stock options. Yeah. And then I'll say, you know, in 2019, when we do the conversion, even with hiring property management and all that, I'll say three to $500 for a legal duplex. I really, all my cash flow is left in the bank account, right? I, I don't take it out. So I don't, because the roof could go or the furnace could go, right? So I always leave like six months rent 
only until then, I might take the money out and give it back to the investor or take it out myself. Or otherwise, I'm always leaving. I have like accounts with 20K for just a legal duplex in there because I feel comfortable that way. If another COVID hit, then it cannot pay for six months. I know the money is there. Right? So I, I leave a lot of uh, margin for error and just for contingency. And that's why I use the stock option for the cash flow. And only, like I said, real estate, cash flow positive, but a lot of times the cash flow get eaten away from expense and the management. And a lot of people say, oh yeah, there's $500,000 cash flow per property. Well, if you really look at their accounting statement, are they really getting that, right? Because a lot of times this thing goes or you need a new paint, right? And a lot of times it adds up pretty fast. Sure. Right. So sure. overall, still relying on mortgage pay down, a little bit of cash flow and the appreciation, right? The the inflation, three to five percent. Of course, in Toronto has been going nuts, but really, we just when we run the number, I only use three to five percent. Got it. Got it. Okay. So then, basically, your strategy with real estate then is you're still looking for cash flow positive. You're still looking for for deals, but you want something that is going to create a buffer. Should there be repair costs or should the, the market shift and or interest rates rise? Something that makes sure that you're, you're protected. Yeah. Now, in thinking about your, your stock options, so are, are you doing mostly then dividend paying stock? Is that right? It could be dividend paying. It could be. Right. Yeah. Some of the tech companies, they don't pay much dividend, right? Apple just started paying dividend a couple of years ago, but not much. But again, there's a give and take, right? Dividend is great because dividend stocks perform better in the long term if they can keep up their dividend. But faster growing companies, I say, people might say, hey, Cody, what about Tesla? When Tesla is growing, when the CEO is pouring all his profit back to the company, they're not paying dividend. They want maximum growth, right? So there's a give and take. And then that's why in our portfolio, we have some growth stocks, some more stable stocks, even within the blue chip, just to balance it out, right? Because you know, some stocks might go up, some stocks might go down. But overall, we know that we want to own the, the company in the long term. And that's number one thing, right? We're not trying to get pinched in the short term. Even if I own it for a year, like call back holding for a year, I know it's a great company. Eventually, it'll come back, right? Yeah. That's my safety net. So I don't have to panic if another COVID happens, right? As a matter of fact, I should be scraping money together to buy that debt, right? So Cody, it sounds like you coach people that are kind of younger and then people that are kind of retirement age and everybody in between. Maybe for you, what does a, what does a balanced portfolio look like between in terms of how much cash in real estate percentage wise versus stock market? What, what is your kind of ideal scenario there? <laughs> That's such a great question. You know, um, for a lot of wealthy people, a lot of family office people, they do have a hard number. As in, this is the percentage of net worth that are in real estate, percentage of net worth that are in stocks, percentage of net worth that are in GIC and bonds and government bonds, right? But for no average people, it's a bit harder to keep track unless you're like, say, Cody, I want to get it down to the science. Now, if really down to the science, Everyone's different. Some people are more comfortable with real estate. Some people just start in stock option or some people might be the other way around, right? So all I can say is don't have all your eggs in one basket. Most of the real estate investor, even my mom has all her money in real estate, right? So just keeping that in mind, that a lot of time real estate is a little bit uh, lagging 
in terms of stock market. Stock market reflect right away because people can click sell and buy. Real estate is a little bit, a couple months behind. So it's always good to diversify a little bit. But in terms of the actual percentage, the first question will be, does everyone know even their net worth? Right? A lot of people don't even know that number. Right. So, so that's, I guess that's the first question I'm going to ask them. Then when they look at the numbers, like, oh my God, I'm 95% net worth in real estate. Okay. Am I comfortable with that? Maybe you're comfortable, but some people might be, I want 50, 50, you know, I want another 10% in cash. I want another 20% in cash. And personally, I have a lot of insurance uh, policy as well. So that's my, another redundancy on redundancy, right? Besides real estate, business stocks, besides my cash. And my insurance policy provides some dividend and then provides me some cash value and grows in the long term as well. That's really my, and I have one Bitcoin as well. So that's my, that's my, <laughs> and, that's, and that's your retirement plan right there. <laughs> no, that's, that's really an insurance for my grandkids just in case the government keep printing, printing money and uh, US dollar doesn't mean anything anymore, then at least I have one Bitcoin for them, right? And say, hey, at least I did this for you guys on top of my all my insurance contract. <laughs> <laughs> where do you see, like right now, the, the biggest challenge for a lot of investors is where to put your money. You know, real estate prices are, are really high. The stock market's been doing really well for quite some time. Where are the opportunities now, in your opinion? Like Warren Buffett said this, right? Be greedy when others are fearful. Be fearful when others are greedy, right? It's easier said than done. Like Warren Buffett does have a lot of cash on the sideline. And then guess what? He has more than $100 billion on the sideline at any time. So he's always waiting for the dip or opportunity. Right? But for us, I think instead of trying to time the market, yes, we can always leave some money on the side. Like for me, I have like some cash on the side. I don't leave a lot. I have a lot of line of credit and HELOC. That's my secondary uh, dry powder to tackle any of the market dip in terms of real estate or stock market. I would say other than that, don't try to wait for the market to come down. And here's a funny story. I asked 20 people in 2018 and 2017 when the market dipped. 20 people that said they're going to wait for the dip to buy. Guess what? Of that 20 people, I asked them, only one of them bought in 2017 or 2018. Right. The rest that say they will wait for the dip. When it dipped, they were like, oh, it's going to dip more. And then it come back. <laughs> no, up, I'll right? take no, the next now dip. We're, gonna, <laughs> we're away for the next dip. And we look at this and say, look at this. My property has been doubling. Stocks has been doubling. When are you going to wait for another 60% dip? Good luck. Good luck. And if that dip happen, I hope you have the guts to pull the money out. Well, you do have dry powder, right? So I just, I think as an overall, as society is growing, economy is growing, we will be chopping this in the short term. But if it's a growing market, if it's a growing company, guess what? People need to pile their money somewhere, right? All the institutions need to pile the money somewhere. If you throw your money in the mutual fund, guess what? They have a portfolio too. 8% this, 8% that, 10% this. So they just do it on your behalf. They're still putting it, put it in the market, right? They can't hold much cash, those mutual fund and ETFs. So even if you throw in the REITs, right? In order to give you those kind of dividend in return, they need to deploy it, right? So <laughs> I hope that kind of helps. No, that, that definitely helps. So uh, action, patience isn't always a virtue. You can leave some money, but take action, yes. Yeah. Cody, we have a segment called the the five wire, five quick questions to end the show. Can you stick around for that? Yeah, let's do it. 
Okay, so question number one, we'll do the Toronto version here. Well, actually, you spent a lot of time in Vancouver. What is your favorite bar or restaurant in Vancouver? Oh my God, I was in Vancouver when I was 18. I wasn't even allowed to stay out at night. <laughs> All right, let's do gonna, the Toronto version. I was going to say the Camby, but uh, you probably didn't end up there either. Yeah. What, uh, what's your favorite bar or restaurant in, in Toronto? I know in Vancouver, so I, I like the gas town. I think it's a little bit pricey, but I like the environment. Yeah, gas town is, and then Granville Island has, you know, I just visited Vancouver. I messaged you guys in uh, December. I, I went to Whistler, so yeah, I, I I can't say specific bars, but I know the area. I like those areas. Right? I still like Vancouver a lot. Awesome. Favorite band or song? Oh my god, favorite band or song? <laughs> I, I used to like the Backstreet Boys a lot, and and they're still. <laughs> One That's a first. Best. That's a first on the show. Uh, your t- your stock might have just risen in my mind, Cody. <laughs> what what is what is one book that you would recommend to anyone listening? Um, I know a lot of people probably talk about rich dad poor dad as a cliche, but it's really changed the mindset of you know uh, working or making money works for you. But now I can recommend another. Um, Another book, which is uh, written by a guest I just invited on in my Facebook page, is called uh, Wealth Creation Formula by Hans Johnson. It sets the base for any of the real estate investing and stock option investing. It's a green book. It's by Hans Johnson. Hans Johnson's wife is called Danny Johnson, a motivational speaker in the States. And they have those, they, you know, my brand is say yeah to fire, right? Yeah is my last name. Say yeah to basically financial independence, retire early. And Hans, they have those spreadsheets in the back end, an app that can calculate down to the T how much money you need per month and how are you on track to get to that point, right? They have a freedom number, they have a lifestyle number per month. And I'll recommend anyone to look at that. And then any of the investing is on top. Like he talked about how to make more money, more importantly, how to save more money, and then how to use those safe money to make you more money. So three steps. Right? So I, I just want to come up with something new. I know probably a lot of your listeners hear all the other ones. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's one. great. That, that, is, that is definitely one we haven't heard yet. One piece of advice you would give your 18-year-old self in Vancouver, I guess, at that time? You know what's funny, though? I moved to Toronto for a reason, right? Vancouver is very laid back, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) People really enjoy their life. But a lot of the friends I have in Vancouver only hang out with your high school friends. And in Toronto, is a lot more fast-paced, a lot more opportunity, a lot more startup, and, you know, just overall more opportunity. So I'm not saying everyone should move to Toronto, but can consider. But if you want to stay in Vancouver, enjoy more of the snowboarding, skiing, and the sun and the beach in the summer English Bay, and just hang out with the more, hang out with people that push you, hang out with people that talks about money, talks about growth. And don't just hang out with high school friends. Okay. At least have like a couple of friends that whenever you hang out with them, you feel uncomfortable. That's how you will make sure that you're growing. Right. So that's all I can say. Good advice. Last question. What is something that you've bought in the last year or two under $1,500 that's uh, changed your life? Oh, man. So many things. What, how, where should I start? Under $1,500, right? Yeah. Exactly. You know, I think the 
best spot under $1,500, man. There's so many. My 35-inch screen really changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> Split into two. And then uh, the putting, the practice putting green, I can lay it out it's like 12 feet. <laughs> are we, after all this, are we not going to hear an Apple product? <laughs> <Magic>? <laughs> I, I Okay, I have an iPhone 12 Pro, but I was kind of forced by my girlfriend because she wants me to take good photos of her. And my iPhone can drop in a toilet. And then she was like so happy. She said, now you're going to get iPhone 12, right? Not just 12 Pro, right? Like, I don't need that. Can I just get another iPhone 10? She's like, no, you're going to get iPhone 12 Pro. So that's a good buy, you know. I keep the relationship going. <laughs> she she grows her Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Cody, how can people find out more about what you're up to and yeah, learn more about your courses, etc.? Yeah, you know, I have a website. If you type in Cody, yay, C-O-D-Y space Y-E-H on Google, I think I took over the first page. Website, <laughs> and then go check out like uh, other podcasts I've been invest- uh, interviewed on. And then follow me on Instagram, you know, Cody Yay, Cody underscore underscore Yay, or Facebook. I have a Facebook page, uh, out more than 4,000 people talking about stock options, a lot of my real estate investor as well. That's for free for people to join. I share a lot of good content and I interview my alumni in there and other guests as well. So lots of place if you're looking. Right on. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for your time today, Cody. That was a great conversation, something a little different for the podcast. And, uh, yeah, appreciate your time. Thanks for your time. I, up until this point, I, 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 was, I wasn't sure I'm talking with Matt or Adams. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not the first time we've heard that, Cody, but yeah, it's, it, we appreciate you sticking around. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the invite, and I really enjoy it. Okay, okay. awesome. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with coach, investor, teacher, Honda employee, Cody Yeh. Cody Yeh, really, really bright guy. Man, sometimes, and it's often out of Toronto, but I mean, there's so many impressive people, obviously, in in Vancouver, but these young guys out of Toronto that are just really, really hustling, eh? Like you can, it's just, there's an energy. And I think uh, Austin Yeh, who we don't have to reference every time we talk about (laughs) Cody, but Austin Yeh is out there hustling. These guys are uh, I follow him on Instagram. He's, he's constantly, he's doing something right. And I, and, and again, Cody is uh, same, same spot. Like you just feel the energy that they're going to make it come hell or high water. Yeah. They're going to do what it takes. That's for sure. This options trading, you know, we're not a financial podcast, but very kind of different angle than what we usually talk about, but really interesting stuff. You know, anything that gets your money working for you, I think is, uh, is a friend of this show. So it's great having Cody on and, uh, no fantastic conversation. Yeah, Matt. And what do we have before we cut for the rest of the day? Well, we have Vancouver real estate podcast.com. Adam, this is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to Vancouver real estate podcast.com for past episodes Things like the live wire where you can sign up, you get stats before anyone else. Full transcripts of the show. Full transcripts of the show. Deal of the month. VIP presale opportunities. I'm thinking of a couple there on the island that are real hot commodities. This all takes place on the live wire. You can also sign up 
or private client services. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you're standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free at your fingertips. It is the best resource out there. We've tried them all. You can sign up today for your free account at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And I'm telling you, they did this facelift. I think it's really called Exposure now, uh, but it is... We've just incorrectly rebranded them to I'm the not old sure. Brand. Exposure PCS, but you know what? There's things now where you can overlap zoning yeah. on a map of where the property is. It's, There's it's all awesome. sorts of super useful tools, walk score, everything else. They got both. They, they've, they've upped up the game uh, for sure. There's no reason you don't want this, this service. It yeah. is, it's amazing. It is, so it is amazing for if, sure. If you want to talk about that or anything else, give me a shout 778-847-2854 or Matt at Vancouver real estate podcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at Vancouver real estate podcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line info at Vancouver real estate podcast.com. Have a good week, guys. And next week, another fantastic episode of the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Take care. 2,000 Faces for Radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join. 
type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakwind, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakwind.com slash join typing in VRP 2020.